There is much in life that causes us fear. Violence, conflict, war, accidents and natural disasters, pain, sickness, and hovering over them all, our own mortality. Life is fragile, and there is so much uncertainty, so much that's out of our control. At times, this can seem overwhelming and make us wonder what we can do in the face of it all. Today's gospel passage begins in a place of great fear and anxiety, but it moves from fear to joy, from despondency to mission, through the peace of Christ. The story begins on Easter Day, a week ago. But the disciples, if you noticed, were not joyous. They were terrified. They were locked behind closed doors, fearful of their own lives, filled with anxiety, unsure what to do next. Think of all that they had been through in the previous week. The Last Supper, the foot washing, the betrayal of Judas, the denial of Peter, their own desertion of Jesus, the unjust trial, the crucifixion, then strange rumors of an empty tomb. Into all these fears and anxieties, Jesus comes and offers them peace. Peace be with you. Three times in this short passage, Jesus offers them his peace. And the peace that he offers is peace not like the world gives. This is not simply uh, a false peace, an absence of conflict. But this is that true peace, that shalom, which is so costly because it is the fruit of reconciliation with God. This costly peace Jesus can only offer because he said it is finished on Good Friday. The peace that Christ gives us is not a peace given so that we can relax. It's a peace that he gives us for mission. It's to be the basis of all that we do as Christians. You notice that right after he offers them peace, he gives them a task, a mission to accomplish. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. The peace has been accomplished once and for all. The strife is o'er, the battle is won. But the effects of that victory over evil and death now need to be worked out in our own lives and in the world. Bishop Tom Wright reminds us that there is all the difference in the world between something being achieved and something being implemented. For example, the composer achieves the writing of some musical composition, but it's the performers who have to implement it again and again. The scientist discovers the cure, but the medicine must be distributed to those who are sick. In the same way, Jesus has accomplished the defeat of death and has begun the work of new creation, but that victory must be implemented in the world. And this is precisely the mission of the church, to proclaim in his name and by the Spirit the victory Jesus won, which includes a warning against the deadly effects of sin and the message of forgiveness 
for all who believe. And then it also includes working towards the kingdom, announcing to the world that though the powers of evil still put up quite a fight, they are already a defeated foe and their time is running out. One of the ways that we do this is simply by living as citizens of God's heavenly kingdom, little outposts of the kingdom in enemy territory. So the resurrection brings us the peace of Christ. It gives us a mission in Christ. And finally, it brings the blessing of Christ. You may have noticed that this passage takes place on two consecutive Sundays. Easter Sunday last week, where Jesus appeared to the first disciples, and then a week later, or today in the liturgical calendar, when Jesus appears to all the disciples, including Thomas. Since Thomas wasn't present with the other disciples on Easter day, he tells them he won't believe. He won't believe unless he can actually physically touch the wounds of Jesus. And to his astonishment, a week later, that's precisely what Jesus offers him. As a result, Thomas gives us that remarkable confession, my Lord and my God. And this story is such an important account, not least because we are precisely like Thomas in that first week between Easter day and today. That first week, Thomas only had the eyewitness testimony of his, fellow, his friends and fellow disciples to base his faith on. And we hear, because of Thomas's story, we hear Jesus's, uh, what Jesus thinks of that faith. Jesus says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. He looks out at our faith, which is based on that same testimony and says, blessed are you who believe, who have not seen and yet believe. John goes further, and he tells his readers that this is precisely the reason why he wrote his gospel. He says, these are written so that you may come to believe that the Messiah, the Son of God, is Jesus. And the faith that this testimony is meant to inspire is not faith for its own sake, but that through believing, you may have life in his name. Without the resurrection, there is reason to fear, reason to be skeptical that good will triumph over evil, love over hatred, life over death. But because Jesus lives, we have every reason for confidence in the gospel of peace. His presence brings a peace that the world cannot shake and a mission that continues to shake the world. On that first Easter morning, the disciples saw the Lord and believed. Though it took a little while longer, Thomas also believed. And countless millions who could not see the risen Jesus themselves have nonetheless come to believe. The only question that remains is, have you? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid.